The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. We've two guests with us to talk about the latest developments after that shocking attack on a 14-year-old schoolboy in Navan and County Meath last Monday. The first is Conor Gallagher, crime and security correspondent with the Irish Times. And Conor, can you give us a bit of detail, please, as to what the Gardaí were doing about this today? Yeah, some significant developments today following that shocking video. Uh, five... Uh Teenagers have been arrested today um, after Gardaí identified them as possible suspects having viewed the the video footage which has gone viral online. All of the suspects are under the age of 18, meaning they have the benefit of the Children's Act, um, including anonymity and possible referral to the juvenile liaison or the guarded diversion programme. Uh, three have already been released um, and a file is going to be sent to the DPP. The final two arrests only came in the late afternoon. Uh, as I understand it, they are still being questioned and will probably be released uh, sometime uh, to, uh, this evening. At that age, do their parents go with them to the questioning? Yeah, more than likely. So the Children's Act uh, uh, lays out several uh, protections for for minors and a minor is anyone up to the age of uh, 18. Uh, And that means that you have to be questioned uh, in the presence of a competent adult, and that usually means, as well as a solicitor, that usually means a parent. There's all sorts of other provisions as well. Um, You know, there's limits on how long they can be questioned, and it's very, very limited as to keeping them overnight and, and, and that sort of thing. The guards have... Uh, their detention has been quite short. They were arrested kind of in the late morning and, or uh, sorry, in the mid morning and were already out in the, in the early afternoon. Um, and, and as I said, there's another two who, who are currently being questioned in, in Navangarda Station. And of course, if they are charged, and that's a big if, they'll be entitled to anonymity, as is the case with, with all minors. But it's also open to the Guardi or the DPP to recommend that they be dealt with through the juvenile liaison system, which means that the conviction won't be recorded. What is that? That's basically, it's a way of not burdening a young person with a conviction um, and and, and to allow them to kind of get their lives back on track. So it, it obviously means no prison time. Um, or, 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 or actually any conviction whatsoever, but it does mean that you are supervised by a juvenile liaison officer. You have to meet them um, every week or you know maybe come, uh, every month, depending. Uh, you have to take part in activities, that sort of thing. Uh, it's kind of a very close monitoring system. It does have a lot of success. It's not used in very, very serious cases, which I'm sure many people would argue this is a very serious case, but it is open to them and they have to consider it by law uh, in, in every case involving a minor. Okay, Conor Gallagher, Crime and Security Correspondent of the Irish Times, thank you. Professor James O'Higgins-Norman is with us as well from the National Anti-Bullying Resource and Research Centre at DCU. Uh, James, this video, which the Guardi have asked people not to share, is horrifying to watch. But does it actually reflect a reality of what happens, unfortunately, still in our school grounds and outside schools? Something that might have been common when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, but that we had thought was now actually gone and yet still exists. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly, I don't think there's been any any change since you and I were at school, Matt. Um, boys still get into fights after school, and uh, some boys pick on other boys after school. Um, I think what's different now is that um, 
the uh, the you know the recording of it um, tends to encourage a different level of performance in the in the video. Um, because the boys involved know that it's been recorded and they want to represent themselves in a certain way. So I think the recording of the videos um, is, uh, is, is really uh, adds a whole dimension to it that wasn't there when we were at school. Okay, but has nothing changed in the respect that children show to each other in the way that they're taught by their parents and by their schools? Yeah, I think things have changed, you know, but the, these kind of fights and attacks um, are at the very extreme end of the spectrum. The research that we've done in DCU shows that about 17 to 20% of children are bullied every year. And the vast majority of those are bullied in, in very um, non, non-physical ways. So it might be exclusion, it might be mind games, it might be name-calling and so on. And um, these kind of physical attacks are very extreme. So they have always occurred but they're, um, I don't think they're occurring any more than they used to, but I do think the type of violence in them has changed, mostly linked to the kind of uh, content that young boys and men are watching um, on, on, online. And we also know from the research that uh, despite all the openness that we, that we have in society today, all the inclusion and all the progress we've made around that, people who are identified as being somewhat different to majority, maybe because of their skin colour or their perceived sexuality or religion or whatever it might be, that they tend to be the, the most frequent targets of this type of attack. But not exclusively. There could be no. all sorts of victims for all sorts of reasons. I imagine that any parent particularly a parent of teenagers who've seen this video this week, would be terrified by the possibility that that could happen to their child. But it also struck me that there must be many who would fear that, my God, could my child actually do that? So what do parents do in relation to helping and protect those, those who might be victims, but also to stop those who, known to them or not, may be aggressors? Absolutely. I think that's a really good point and one that we can, can kind of get lost. The people who are involved in, that, in making that kind of attack or, or who are involved in bullying behaviour in one context, in another context, might be an absolutely perfect son or brother or daughter or sister. And it's really hard to reconcile their behaviour being so different in two different contexts. So in order for this kind of attack to happen, usually what it needs to happen is that, a per- that the attacker has to dial down their empathy for the individual they're attacking. They have to objectify them and dehumanize them in some way by putting a label on them. And then that then allows them to treat them in a way that they wouldn't treat somebody else. So at home, in the, in, in the, in the family home, uh, having gentle discussions about people who are different, how they're, you know, exper- they should experience the same type of um, respect and equality as the rest of us and creating an atmosphere at home where, where you know, I- inclusion and diversity is something that's appreciated. That's the best way to prevent your child becoming someone who might attack somebody because they appear different. Or else just also just telling them don't be going around hating people because you wouldn't want to be hit yourself. Well, I mean, that's the basic thing, isn't it? It's the old thing, treat others as you'd like to be treated yourself, which actually is a very simple way of calling out the whole psychological development of empathy in the, in the individual. And um, if you have empathy for others, you would want that you would treat them the way you would want to be treated yourself. Professor James O'Hagan Norman from the National Anti-Bullying Research and Resource Centre at Dublin City University. Thank you for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.